Champions Mojo is part of the CG Sports Network. I'm going to brag on uh, family members, my son-in-law, who has made these huge changes in his life. And, you know, one of the things he did was to give up alcohol. And it, you know, obviously very, very, very difficult for a person who, I mean, he's spent a lot of time in countries where, because he's a, he's an international aid worker, he spends a lot of time in countries where alcohol is like the only pleasure that people have. And so he developed a habit of doing a lot of drinking. But when he got married and had a child, you know, he realized that he, his drinking was going to destroy his family. So that was a huge why. Maria, you and I recently learned about a new top 10 app being used by our friends and Olympic champions, Elizabeth Beisel, Carolyn Joyce, and Maggie Steven. And that's the Indy app. And they are the sponsor of today's show. Yep. Indy allows athletes, thought leaders, and everyday experts in any field to earn extra income by sharing their knowledge. With the Indy app, anyone can easily create lessons, they can make product recommendations, or create personalized content, which they can then post for people interested in what they know. I love this app, Kelly, because it allows anyone with know-how to earn income, even without a huge social media following. And it's easy to get started. Download the Indie app, upload your content, set a price, and share. Go to Indie.com, that's I-N-D-I.com, or find Indie in the Apple or Google Play Store and cash in on your passions today. Welcome to Champions Mojo, a podcast to bring out your inner champion. Your hosts are sisters-in-law, Kelly Palace and Maria Parker. Kelly is a former Division I head swim coach, Olympic trials qualifier, and holds national and world records in master swimming. Maria holds world records in endurance cycling and won the world's toughest bike race, Race Across America. Both are certified health and life coaches. Our goal is to inspire you through conversations with champions. And now your host, Kelly Palace. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Champions Mojo podcast. Today, Maria and I are first going to talk about some traditional ways to bring discipline into your life. And then, if those techniques don't appeal to you, stay tuned because we have a very different approach that we think that you're going to love. If you think discipline's a dirty word or you don't like the idea of having discipline, we've got something for you that you may not really have ever heard. Hey, Maria, it's great to be with you today. Hi, Kelly. It is. I think discipline is a great subject, but I think it has kind of, the word discipline has some bad connotation. So let's talk about what discipline actually is, which when we boil it down, it comes to behavior change. The reason we want discipline or self-discipline is so we can change our behaviors to align more with our goals so we can achieve those goals. Basically, it's sacrificing the present for the future. But I think uh, if we think of discipline as freedom or as getting to freedom, it can open our chest a little bit more in terms of, because I think, like I said, the word is kind of hard. The word, the word may bring um, painful connotations to you, but basically the idea is that if you can, can bring your life into discipline in a certain way, then you actually will experience joy and freedom after you have gone through sort of a difficult period. I think Jordan Peterson calls it a, a keyhole. So you get through the difficult part of discipline and then you experience joy and freedom. We're gonna talk about that a little bit more. 
Yes, exactly, Maria. And um, there's a lot of information on discipline. You know, one of the thought leaders on this is Jocko Willenick. And he says discipline is freedom. And it really is. I mean, if you want financial freedom and you're tied to a job, but you have the discipline to do your side hustle and create wealth, you get to quit that job and have, you know, your own free schedule. So there's so many ways you could have you know, freedom from your pants being too tight, freedom <laughs> from, you know, there's all kinds of when you're disciplined, good things happen. So um, basically for me, what freedom is, I'm mean, sorry, for me, what discipline is, is that it's our thoughts matching our actions. So right. when we say, you know, you, you know, you say to yourself in your inner voice says, I should go running or I should go meditate or I should get up off the couch and finish that script that I promised Maria I would have to her at two o'clock. But I'm just gelling, I'm chilling. And I, you know, it just doesn't either your body is not matching the thoughts in your head or your emotions. You might, you know, you might just be sad or have, you know, uh, be upset or angry or have had a fight with your, your significant other. So we, when we say in our minds, you know, I should do this, or I need to do that, or I want to, you know, I want to earn this goal. And so I know that I need to do these things, but we don't, our actions don't match. So we, it, how do we get our actions to align with our thoughts so we can reach our goals? Right. So that's what, you know, we've, we've come up with six sort of um, ideas around that. And, um, but I first want to just say that, that I think a lot of people may have shame or bad feelings around failure in the past. So lots of times people have tried to lose weight or they tried to start an exercise program and they failed time and time again. And so kind of in, in, in shame or fear or uh, there's a lot of sort of negative feelings. They just kind of give up because they, well, I failed. I've tried and failed before. So I think, you know, the first thing, if you're going to approach this sort of with a clean slate is to take some of that emotion, particularly if there's shame out of any goals you have. I mean, part of succeeding is failing. <laughs> and so it all, you can think of all those times that you may have failed and in, in, in achieving your goal before as more information and trying and, you know, so, so, if we can take some of the shame or the negative emotion around past failure, I think um, going forward where you're going to have a lot more success with, with these ideas around developing discipline that we're going to talk about today. So, yes. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. We, so we've kind of, we've, we've really curated, uh, yeah. you know, there, there could be 50 ways to, to get discipline. So we've kind of curated these down. So Maria, right. I'm going to, now that you've said that one, I'm going to say that we have seven today because okay. you're saying, you're actually saying the first one is take shame out, which yeah. is, is a step. So, yeah. um, so let's okay. call that one a, and then you were <laughs> going to do one. Okay. So the first one, and I think this is so important and maybe, you know, you don't think of it, but it's, it's focus on an identity change. And I've told the story a hundred times, probably on this podcast and I thought about it even more than that is once you start to think of yourself as the kind of person who, or as a certain kind of person, even if your behavior isn't, isn't following that right now, eventually it will. And the example I have here um, for me was I never thought of myself as an athlete. I, I, I grew up as a, a jelly bean as, and just very, uh, just 
never thought of myself as, as, as athletic or, or good with my, my fitness. And I was sort of overweight and I started running, but I still didn't really think of myself as a, an athlete. I mean, athletes run fast, right? I was just jogging. And then my sweet sister-in-law, Kelly said mm. at one point, she said, you know, I said, well, I'm not really an athlete. And, you, and she said, whoa, hold on a minute, Maria, you've run five Ks, you get up every morning and you run five miles or whatever it was, you know, she, she repeated. And you that. qualified for Boston. Well, or- that was, I think that was sort of before then, but, <laughs> but, but, you know, I had become a regular exerciser. And once I became a regular exerciser in Kelly's mind, I was an athlete. I never thought of myself as an athlete, but once I started to think of myself as an athlete, it changed everything. An athlete is the kind of person who gets up every morning and does her, her sport. An athlete's the kind of person who eats well to perform well at her sport. An athlete is, so it changed the way I felt. And I think, I'm sure, well, Kelly, you probably have some other examples, but I, I, you know, when I work with my coaching clients, you know, one of, one of the things I say is you're the kind of person who, and then I let them fill in the blank. Are you the kind of person who walks, you know, every day? Are you the kind of person who says no to sweets, whatever? Help yourself accept a new identity. Yes. And, and the, the actual, so I love that part. You can be the kind of person that does this, that, right. that regularly does that, or you can actually take on the whole identity of, you know, I am a vegetarian. Right. If you're trying to be a plant-based diet person and every, all your friends know you as like, you know, the guy that grills every weekend and you're a meat <laughs> eater, all of a sudden you're a vegetarian. Yeah. So you are eating vegetables. So you're a vegetarian. One example, I can't even remember where I heard it. I've heard this years ago, but it's with smokers. So if someone offers me a cigarette, I'm going to say, oh, I'm not a smoker. If someone offers, uh, let's say a smoker who is trying to quit. So they're, they're in like day three, their friends don't know that they, they quit on Sunday and it's Wednesday and they get offered a cigarette they may say, no, thank you, but or, or how I'm much trying, or they might say, I'm trying, I'm trying. But what if they said, I'm not a smoker. All of a sudden they've owned that. I am not a smoker. So think of those identities that really want to, you know, you really want to identify with where you're going, where are those thoughts taking you? What are the goals? And when you get to that goal, who are you? Right. So Right. I love um, all right. That. So yeah. So that that could be one of my favorite. I, I don't know. All of these are my favorite. So this, uh, the <laughs> second one, which is huge, is what's the why? Like, why is it that you want to have discipline? What what is it? So this this is basically the goal. You right. know what 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 is the big thing? And I think it has to be. We're going to call number two, the opposite of what we're going to talk about in number four, which instead of small motivations, which we're going to get to in number four, a little different than, than usual, like I said in the beginning, but this is the big, and our, who is our friend that taught us this? Um, oh, Ferris, Ferris Sabetti, who we interviewed, yeah. he said, the BHAGs, big, hairy, audacious goals, a BHAG. So what is something that's so motivating to you that you're just you don't even need discipline. You're so motivated. You're up before the alarm clock. You're out there going for it. So it could be a huge goal. It could be something small. It could be something that just, you're just highly motivated, but you've got to have that why. And I think if you can put post-it notes to remind you, if it, if it's not a, a big, hairy, audacious goal, then maybe it's just a middle-sized goal that you may need to be reminded of, or maybe it's something 
that you're doing for someone else that you need to be reminded of. But I think the why is huge. And um, Maria, I think you have a story here with maybe somebody in your family on the why or well, I, I actually have yeah. lots of why stories. I was I was yeah. gonna first talk about um, Race Across America, which um, I had a really strong why. I was raising money for brain cancer research and my sister was dying of brain cancer. But later over the ensuing years, I was helping other people who were trying to do Race Across America. I was, I was um, supporting them. And what they all told me is that they finished, they would be, they were raising money for brain cancer research too. They didn't know anybody who had brain cancer, but they, but they embraced the goal of, of brain cancer research. But they, they all said, look, I would have quit, you know, if they're, if it took them 11 days, I would have quit on day seven. If I didn't realize that there were people out there who were looking at me and who cared that I finished this, who, who, you know, it was important to them that this was a life or death thing. Like they, they had a hard time in this case doing it for themselves, but they could do it for this big why, which was, you know, which was to, to cure brain cancer. And I think that's really, that's really true too. I, I, um, I'm going to brag on a family members, my son-in-law who has made these huge changes in his life. Um, and you know, one of the things he did was to give up alcohol and it, it, you know, obviously very, very, very difficult, um, for a person who, I mean, he's spent a lot of time, um, in countries where, cause he's a, he's an international aid worker. He spends a lot of time in countries where alcohol is like the only pleasure that people have. And so he developed a habit of doing a lot of drinking, but when he got married and had a child, you know, he realized that he, his drinking was going to destroy his family. So that was a huge why. I'm sure it's the only way it got him through the first day, first week, first month, and now he's seven years sober. Um, so, you know, having, having this why, and, and, you know, one of the things we're going to talk about later is like, this isn't something that's going to have help you like every minute of every day, but this is something to get back to when you're feeling like you're getting off the path. Um, one of my coaching clients is trying to, to, to reverse her diabetes. And, you know, that's a big why it, you know, it's, it's hard, you know, on a day-to-day -day basis. And we'll talk about that later, like I said, but she can helicopter up once a week and remember, oh yeah, I want to live a long time. I want to live for my, my children and my grandchildren. So the why is important. And if you can surround the why with emotion, I think that's, that's, that makes it even more like it's, you know, if you can, if you can envision yourself, whatever your why is, I want to be, even if it's, you know, I want to be the number one, whatever, if you can surround that with emotion, if you can feel the pride in your chest, when you get there, if you can feel the joy of, you know, your family, when you do whatever it is you're going to do, you got to, you got to have, to me, you got to have a lot of emotion around that why. Yes, Maria, that is, that is beautiful to have that emotion. Yeah. And yeah. I, you know, th in thinking back a lot of the discipline that I have, and you, you and I worked when we started this podcast, we got to share our, our pre recording talk was like, um, we, we said to each other, you said, do you feel like you're disciplined? And I said, yeah. And she said, <laughs> you said, you said, do you need more discipline or less? And I said, I think I probably need less. And, right. and you said you do too. So yeah. I feel like 
one of the things that you and I do connect on and why we're sisters and such, um, you know, symbiotic people is, you know, at night I will send out emails when I'm too tired, you know, I'm too tired to do this work, but I will send emails to, you know, doctors or dermatologists or, or, um, to the, the National Eczema Association. The other night I wrote a big long email because I found this product on the shelf that is just dangerous and people can buy it and put it on. So we have that emotion or um, we're going to talk about using motivators. Um, so I think that it's really a great recommendation to use that emotion. If, if you want to get more fit and you had a relative that died of a cardiovascular disease, use that emotion. Boy, I, I lost that person. And, you know, you use that with losing Jenny. And I, I use my emotion around the skin problems that I've had. So anyway, um, I think that's a great one. And number yeah. three is, is a really uh, one of yeah. my favorites too. Oh, me too. This is, and I, and I think this is the most misunderstood maybe aspect of self-discipline, but the idea is that you have to build your discomfort muscle, which again, this sounds worse than it is, but another way I've heard it put is lean into discomfort. Now, you know, you have to do it for long periods of time, but you can build this ability to be uncomfortable. And, you know, we were talking about like this morning, we were talking about running. You know, my dad used to always say, it feels so good when you stop. So there are some people who love to run. I am not one of them. I love to have run. (laughs) (laughs) I love to have had that already done in my day. I love the way I feel when I accomplish that. I, so, but I am, I am good at this. I'm good at saying, okay, it's going to be uncomfortable, but I'm going to do it because I know when I'm done, I'm going to feel great. And so uh, this, this concept, of leaning into the discomfort or, or building your discomfort, you can build it in little ways. You don't have to start off doing something really hard and really, but you can just say, okay, you know, I really don't like getting up early or whatever. I'm going to set my alarm and, and get up, you know, early or even just doing um, something that like makes you uncomfortable. Like I really like, I, you know, we talk about doing something every day that scares you, you know, whatever that is, like if it's making a phone call, that that's, leaning into discomfort. And I know you've got some good examples of that, Kelly. Well, I, I think one that's, that's everyone can do and it's easy. Unless, unless you live in Florida in the winter, it, it most, most people can do this and that is cold showers. So cold showers are, d- they develop your discomfort muscle and they, the research shows that when you do something difficult at the beginning of your day, that you are, you, you have a boost in self-esteem. You feel like you can conquer more tasks. So cold showers, besides just building a discomfort muscle, and we learn that anything is, is a neuro pathway. So right. we, when we're talking negatively to ourselves or positively to ourselves, we're, we're reinforcing a neural pathway. That is a muscle that we can do when we're meditating and our mind snaps away and then we, we bring it back and it goes away and we bring it back. That's a muscle that we're developing. So this is the same way with discomfort. If you can do a cold shower in the morning, because we all shower or do it at night, whenever you shower, three minutes and start out with 30 seconds and then go to a minute and play music, you know, bring your phone into the shower and play music while you're doing it. But it also is anti-inflammatory, antidepressant, boosts your immune system. You're getting a lot of benefits with it. So it's 
cold showers, I think, are a way that anyone can develop their discomfort muscle. And then you can transfer that to running or meditating or whatever you need to do. But I, I think cold showers are the greatest. I do them. I don't like them in Florida because the water here just is not that hot. But when I am in the mountains in the summer, the water coming out of that tap is just frigid. And now, so we have a little small pool in our, in our house and, or in our backyard and the water is dropping and we can turn on the heat in the pool, but we decided we're not going to turn it it on. (laughs) The pool is down to about 70 degrees right now, which, you know, your body's 98. So Mark and I went on a little small run this morning, a Kaizen run, which we'll learn about on the next one because we're just starting back into running. Uh, So we went on a little Kaizen run this morning and we're both kind of hot. I mean, it was, it was like 75 here and then you get your core temperature up. And when we got back, we did five minutes in the pool and it felt freezing and it was hard. So I, I really, I just, I think cold water therapy is huge, whether it's a pool, a lake, or even cold outside. So if you're familiar with Wim Hof and his um, techniques, I've done his breathing. I've taken one of his classes, getting outside. If you live in the North, Maria, you, you and your yeah. family, you're up in Massachusetts, yeah. get in your bathing, get in your bathing suit and run around the house twice, put your tennis <laughs> shoes on and your bathing. They, they say that that is, um, that's just as helpful. So it's cold. Yeah, it's kind of yeah. a cold it's, therapy. It is. It is cold here. And I remember when you first start, started talking about cold showers, I was like, ah, you know, I don't think you so. still haven't done them. <laughs> no, 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 no. I do them now. Oh, you do? So, oh, okay. Here's, I thought here's, you hadn't. No, here was the key for me. You said, oh, I said, you just get in there and the water's cold. You said, no, 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 no. I usually do my, all my stuff. I shampoo my hair and I wash my body. And then I turn the water cold. And I think you even told me to turn it down gradually. And then New England, our, our groundwater is frigid. Oh, sure. It's so, very cold. So I started doing it at the end of my shower, just like that, you know, and, and I think one of the things about leaning into your, it, it works Different people are different, have different personalities. For me, leaning into discomfort, I have to do it gradually. Uh, like, and, and then what I tell myself, it's also part self-talk. Like I tell myself, oh, I'm good at doing hard things. I'm good at suffering. I'm, you know, I say that that's my, you know, so, but if I say that to myself all the time, I can't say I don't like cold showers. I really don't like cold showers, but I like having had a cold shower. Yeah, <laughs> I like I getting out and wrap, wrapping up in the warm towel. But basically the key for me was doing it gradually. And then once the, the the water was cold, it's like, oh, it's so cold on my back. And I turn around, oh, it's so cold on my chest. And then after a while, it just doesn't, it's just like, oh, this right. is, you know, this is hard, but it's great. So um, yeah, I love, I love cold shower as leaning into your discomfort, but I think there's other things you can do. Um, you know, I, I work out hard on the bike trainer lately. I've been working on it hard. I get on it and I don't tell myself, oh, you're going to work out hard, but I just allow myself a nice warm up. And then I say, okay, you know, building up, building up, building up same thing with cold showers. So it's not something like, I think it sounds worse than it is, you know, practice little things. Maybe it's, maybe it's like I'm hungry, but I'm going to wait an hour. I'm not going to feed myself or that's leaning into discomfort. Well, Maria, um, this, this segues great into number four. Okay. So when you say, uh, 
you're going to yes, talk about the yes. Kaizen theory when you say I'm hungry now, I'm going to wait an hour. So why right. don't you tell number four? So if you're, if you're, if you've been running or you're on the treadmill or you're just listening, uh, I've, I've had a lot of feedback that people love our one hour shows because they can do one hour of walking and they get a whole show or one hour of being on the treadmill or they get a whole show. So nice. um, if you're, if you're zoning out, this is a different thing. I had never heard this until I, I took a class from one of my friends who I don't, I don't know if I'm allowed to promote it yet. I'll, I'll ask her and then, um, put it in the show notes if I am, but I, I learned this from a friend that I'm taking a class with and I had net of all my personal development and research. I had never heard of the Kaizen theory and it's, it doesn't require typical discomfortable discipline. So Maria, let's, let's talk about the Kaizen okay, theory. So the Kaizen theory is, I think I have done this naturally my whole life. Um, and I never really thought about it, but the kind of Kaizen theory is take tiny steps. And I'll let Kelly get into some of the science behind it, but basically, instead of just saying, oh, okay, today I'm going out to run a mile. I mean, that mile is a long way if you're not a runner. The Kaizen theory says, today I'm gonna to do something so small that it's not threatening at all. I'm gonna go out and uh, maybe I'm just gonna to walk to the end of the block and that's it. Or, or if that seems hard, I'm gonna to walk to the mailbox. Something that that is, that's tiny, 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 tiny steps towards your goal. And I, you know, I have, I, I've talked about this when I've done any long endurance cycling event and it gets hard, which of course, of course it does. The longer it is, the harder it is, the tighter I am, the more I got to forget my big goal and just do the next tiny thing. And for me, it is, I think about this all the time. What is the, you know, like for instance, if I'm cycling and I'm going just to the next I'm just going to the next thing I can see, a crack in the road. It may be 10 yards ahead. It's not, and I get there and I say, yeah, great, great job. Add a girl, Maria. Then I look for the next branch on the side of the road. Yeah, way to go. Same thing with, with, with food, with, you know, um, I might be hungry now, but I'm going to see if I can wait 15 minutes or I'm going to not eat dessert one night a week or whatever. It's a tiny, tiny goal that, that shouldn't scare you. I'll let you talk some more about that. Yes. Kelly. Yes. And um, we will put this in the show notes with a link to the, the details of the Kaizen theory, but in, in brief, it's a way to get around our critter brain. It's right. a way to get around. I mean, Maria, you opened the show talking about shame or failure. Right. Yes. So if, if, if one decides, okay, in 2021, I'm going to run a marathon. That's a pretty daunting goal to a lot of people. It's daunting to me. I've never run a marathon. So if, if, if I, say, you know, I'm going to run a marathon that, you know, that's not maybe different people. They're going to be like, well, I've said that before. I don't want to say that again. I may fail. That may not get me out of bed in the morning to go on my run. But like you said, it gets, if I say, I'm just going to go to the mailbox today, I'm going to the mailbox and back tomorrow. I'm going to my neighbor's mailbox and back. And the next day I'm going to go three houses down until you build into your confidence to do it and you circumvent, you go around that, that critter brain, that, uh, that fear of failing. And right. it, the research shows that it's very successful, but you have done this naturally. And I, I really, I love it. And, and I'm going to go back to cold water here again. That's another way that people Kaizen, you do it for literally 10 seconds. I can do this for 10 seconds. 
20 seconds, 30 seconds. Then you're up to three minutes and you don't even, hey, I can do you know cold water. I'm doing an exercise, um, which we've talked about before to help shoulders, which is hanging from a bar. And you can, you can hang um, in your doorway if you just buy one of those, you know, bars that go over the door. But we have a, we have a full-on, you know, big pull-up bar in our gym. And when I first did that, I, you know, the, the uh, physical therapist to help your shoulders, which it has cured my rotator cuff tear and my impingement syndrome in my shoulder. I was heading for shoulder surgery and I don't have to have it now because I hang. Um, but it started, it said, you know, you need to work up to five to 10 minutes of hanging a day. And I could barely hang for 20 seconds. So I just built up to where I can now hang for like five minutes at least. And I just do two sets of five minutes, but it's, it's a Kaizen thing. Yeah. And there's dozens of programs out there. There's one called couch to 5k. Literally you're on the couch and you want to do a 5k. It's a program that takes tiny steps. There's, you know, you want to do a pull-up. There's a, there's programs online, find a, you know, a pull-up, you know, basically that helps you slowly, gradually push-ups for me. Um, I had, was trying to get back into some, some, uh, weight training and I had, I mean, I could, I used to be able to do 50 push-ups, and, and I couldn't do one. Um, but you know, I just got on my knees and did a couple of the, you know, so-called girl push-ups, And then I built up to 20 of those and then I could do one regular one. And then, so yeah, the Kaizen theory just, it gets you, it lets you off the hook a little bit. You don't have to do the whole thing. And I mean, I, you know, as we so open the show, you got to have, in the end, it's nice to have a big goal that moves you emotionally. But for day to day, you got to just do the next right thing. One small thing. One, and what, I mean, we t I talk about this even in my business all the time. Okay, we, we're talking about this grand idea. What is the very next thing, very next small thing that I need to do to move me towards this goal? And if you can keep that in your mind, like, okay, I want to lose 10 pounds, you know, What's, what's one thing that I know I can do that doesn't scare me too bad, you know, that I can do tomorrow, you know, and people, they tend to just do too much all at once. Oh, okay. I'm going to get up early and I'm going to run five miles and I'm going to start eating salads for lunch every day or whatever. Small yes. tiny goals. Yeah. You, you've been a natural at that. And one thing that I, I think the Kaizen theory is really good for, and, and this is reverse engineering. So discipline, we talked about hitting goals and, and doing things that coincide. So we have that thought that says, oh, I should run or I should meditate or I should work on that book that I want to write. But if you want to stop something, so again, I, I'm taking, you know, this friends of my class and I ask, can you use Kaizen to reverse something? So if you don't want to do something, if you, if you're trying to not drink or not overeat, then you can reverse it. And just like you said, um, I'm just going to, I'm going to get my normal full plate of food. And before I eat, I'm going to take one tablespoon off. So, <laughs> That's so you know, great. just the little bit. So you, you can, it, it, it's usable for both achieving a goal and then getting rid of something that you don't want in your life. So I love, I love that part of it. I, and I'll, I'll just tell another story about my wonderful son-in-law who's has lost 75 pounds. I think in, yeah. the last, in the last year. This is the so. same son-in-law who right. stopped drinking. Right, so, right, right. He's, I mean, he's really right. on a roll. Yeah. One of the things he said he did, well, he's, he helps refugees. So, you know, he, 
he said he learned from from his work that you can't help a whole country. You can't help 200,000 refugees. You start with a family. You know, you can help one family and then maybe you can help the community. And so he has applied this to his weight loss. And he said he first set, you know, a big goal. And then he, he gave himself like twice the amount of time that he thought it would take to do what he wanted. And, and he broke it down into tiny, tiny steps. And, um, you know, and he's added this, but interesting to watch him because, you know, he started out just kind of trying to cut out, cut down on his carbs. And then he added a little bit of walking and now he's found he likes jogging. I mean, this is not a man that you would ever think would, would say he enjoyed jogging. I was so, uh, I'm just so impressed with him, but, but in listening to him, I asked him to t tell me about how he did it. And, and he used the Kaizen method. He took it, he broke it down into tiny, tiny, tiny steps. He didn't think like, oh, I'm going to go out and run five miles. He's, you know, he just took one small step at a time and now he's lost 75 pounds. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's beautiful. And he also beautiful. used the, you know, sort of, we were talking about the lack of shame thing. One of the things he said that I just made me laugh. He said, he said, I have to remind myself that me and my belly are on the same side. We both, want to, <laughs> we both want to look good in a suit. <laughs> so I mean yeah. you can you can sort of you can sort of like I hate myself I am so disgusting that's not a good way to achieve a goal you got to start right, with, like right. I said you know you got to take some of that emotion out and say hey you know we're all on the same team here we want to be healthy I love it I love it yeah. so that was number four number five is really knowing your strengths and your weaknesses is so helpful in being disciplined. So if, if you're trying to do something, you want to get out of bed earlier, you, you don't want to spend as much time in bed. Well, then don't look at your phone in bed because if you decide, Hey, I'm going to look at my phone in bed. And then, you know, I'm 15 minutes on the phone, looking, checking my emails or whatever it is. If, if you know you're, you're going to give up junk food, well then get every get all the junk food out of your house. I mean, we've heard that one a lot. So know your, your weaknesses, what is going to tempt you? What's going to delay you? Um, if you know that you have a friend that you're supposed to run with and she always shows up and says, let's just walk, you know, then that's a, that's a weakness for that friend that may be detouring you. If know your strengths too, like if you, everyone, you know, you and I love to exercise in the morning, it's mostly a good idea to get your workout done. We know that our willpower is stronger in the morning than right. in the evening because we make a lot of decisions. But if you really enjoy working out in the evening, then, and everybody says work out in the morning, know your strength is maybe you're an evening person. So I think knowing your strength and weaknesses is a huge key in being successful with matching your thoughts with your actions. Totally agree. I think that's a really good, good point. It's, it's like, we used to, when we were raising the kids, we talked about things that could be fixed with structure. So it's like, you know, is this a real problem or is this a structural problem? If the, if the kid is falling apart, if, the child, if our child is falling apart because, you know, he hasn't had anything to eat for seven hours, then that's a structural problem. <laughs> and so, you know, when I say that, I mean, for me, when I was first trying to get up early to run or to, to and I still do this to this day, I lay out my clothes because that creates, I know that I don't want to do it. I know that I'm, it's going to be hard to get out of bed, but if that's one less thing, I don't have to fumble around in the closet and look for my, you know, my running shorts or my, or my cycling shorts. Um, so I, I know that getting up and being first getting out of bed is a weakness for me. So I sort of create a structure that allows that to happen more easily for me getting 
the carbs and the crap, the, the, excuse the word, the bad food out of my house and keeping it out of my house is, is absolutely essential because if there's cookies in my house, they're calling my name and, you know, I, I cannot succeed. So, you know, I know that that's a weakness for me. Um, and a strength for me is that um, I, 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 I'm a morning person. So even though it's hard to get up, once I'm up, I know that I can do the hardest things in the morning. So I create the structure or the environment so that I'm doing the hardest things first and whatever is important, I want to get it done first thing in the morning. I, you know, swallow that frog first thing. Yes. Yes. So our last one, Maria, and I think uh, number one and number six may be my favorites, but number six is really knowing your motivation. Like, like what motivates you? It's, it's a little more than the why. I think this is actually, we said, add the emotion. Yeah. So what's the emotion? Is it fear? Is it, uh, finances? What, what, what is motivating you? What did you say motivates you? Like, oh, rewards. Do rewards motivate you? Yeah, is I thought it was, yeah, we kind of, we know our differences, Kelly and I. And one of the things that motivates me is telling people that I'm going to do something. So if I, you know, like now when I'm feeling good, I'm going to say, hey, Kelly, I'm going to meet you for, um, oh, say we're going to do some, uh, some, um, we're going to try to go on a fast together. If I tell you, Kelly, I'm going to, you know, go on a fast or, you know, I'm going to skip uh, breakfast or lunch for a week. I'm going to do that you know, intermittent fasting with you. If I say that I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it because one of my motivating factors is social. If I tell people that I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. But then we were kind of laughing because that doesn't motivate you as much as it does me. What are your motivating factors. Right, right. I am, I, you know, I don't, I don't know if we were raised like this, but you're married to my brother. So you know that Parker's, we, we don't have any problem canceling anything. Like, <laughs> like Maria, uh, you know, let's meet tomorrow at five and we're going to go for a run. I, I can call you at four 30 or text you and say, yeah, you know, I'm sleeping in. And then my, mo my thought process is Maria may need to sleep in. Maybe that was the best thing. Like, I, I don't, that is not motivating for me, but what is motivating for me is, uh, kind of either, uh, you know, like we said at the top of the show, I'm very disciplined. So I don't have a lot of rewards or a lot of, uh, like just freedom in my life. Like I, I have the freedom to do, you know, I work my own schedule, but I don't reward myself a lot. So when I do something that's really hard, like I hate going to the doctor. I really hate, hate going to the doctor. And I haven't been to the doctor for my eyes in a couple of years. And I just hate getting my eyes dilated. I hate them looking deep into my eyes. I, I just don't like the whole eye doctor process, but I had an eye doctor's appointment yesterday and I'm frugal. So I didn't, I don't treat myself to Starbucks, but I, I told myself at, as I was driving into the parking lot, I'm dreading this. I don't want to go. I'm, I'm, you know, I have a little bit of adrenaline, you know, like a little anxiety. And I saw myself coming out of there happy and saying, I'm going to go to Starbucks and I'm going to treat myself to, you know, a latte. And, and I took one of my um, raw rev bars with me so I could have a raw rev bar and a Starbucks coffee after I did my eye appointment. And that was a reward for me that got me disciplined enough to go to the doctor, to make the appointment. I literally, when I made that eye appointment, it's near a Starbucks. 
because we don't have one right next to me, but my eye doctor is near a Starbucks. And I said, I'm going to make this appointment. And the way I'm going to get through it is when I get out, I'm going to treat myself to a Starbucks and a, you know, a raw rev bar. And it was great. I mean, that motivated me to get out of there. So um, I, you know, I'm also highly motivated by fear of um, having bad health. So I, I want to, you know, you could spin that around and say you're motivated by good health, but I, I just, you know, having had breast cancer, I don't want to have any more breast cancer. So I try to eat a, you know, a very clean diet and uh, that motivates the fear of getting breast cancer again, motivates me. So I think you have to find what that motivation is and that attaches to your why. I think that's the emotion that we're looking for that attaches to the why. Yeah, I, I, I agree. Um, you know, there's, there, I remember Jim learned in medical school, they said that there's basically two kind of, two kinds of motivation. There's the fear of failure or the rewards of success, which I, and they said people are more motivated by the rewards of success than the fear of failure. That is not the case for me. <laughs> I am motivated by fear. And my fear is around, like I said, I was going to do this and everybody's watching, I better do it. Or, or, or other fears, like for me, like you, I don't want to get Alzheimer's. So that's one of the reasons why, you know, if I find myself feeling mentally foggy, I am really aware of the carbs that I intake. I'm, I'm scared of not, of not having the ability to, to have, to say the words or find the words that I want. So, um, Knowing, and I think everybody's a little bit different in this, and you're probably different about different goals, but think to yourself, am I, am I, am I more motivated by, you know, that feeling of power and happiness when I achieve that goal, or am I mo more motivated by like, I don't want to, you know, I don't want the next guy to get me. I think we, when we talk to our swimmers, sometimes a lot of them, like, they don't care about winning. They just don't want to lose. Right, right. But a lot of them only think about what it's going to be like to win. They don't really care about what the other people are doing. They're just focused on their so I think just knowing yourself and knowing what motivates you for some people, it's power, it's, it's money. You know, if you're motivated by money, may attach some kind of a monetary goal or monetary thing. If I, if I achieve this goal, I'm going to do whatever it is. And, um, you know, often I will schedule a massage, which is expensive and it seems like a luxury, but I'll schedule it for like a, um, a Saturday afternoon because I know I do a really hard really hard workout on Saturday mornings. I, that's when I do my longest, hardest workouts. And um, so if, you know, if I'm failing in the middle of that, I'm like, nope, I got that. I've got that massage and I got to earn that massage. So, so knowing your, your, yeah, knowing what motivates you, finding rewards and, or even the fears, you, we can use these feelings um, to keep us on track. Yes. Beautiful. So in summary, our six, and I'll read them off here real quick, are, um, so focus on that identity that you want. Um, what's the why? Embrace that discomfort. Build that discomfort muscle. Um, use the small steps. That's the Kaizen, like the tiniest step is the, you know, first thousand miles starts with the first step. Eating an elephant, one spoonful yes, at a time. One, one bite at a time, you can eat the whole elephant. Know your strengths and weaknesses. That's a big one. And then motivation. What is motivating you? And, and if, you, if you can use those six, really, discipline is going to be a done deal. That's right. <laughs> this is a great one. It was motivating yeah. us to, to prepare for and to think about the things that I've used. And um, I hope this helps anybody out there. I think, 
just remember that also, I think one thing I didn't say that I really wanted to say is failure is an opportunity to succeed again. So if you've failed, it's okay. Just think, ah, oh, what did I do wrong? What can I do differently? So. Yep, absolutely. Hang in there. All right, Maria. Love you. Love you. Bye-bye. Bye. This week's quote of the week is from an unknown source. You can eat a whole elephant one bite at a time. You've been listening to the Champions Mojo podcast with host Kelly Palace and Maria Parker. Champions Mojo is produced by Cobra Media, and a new episode debuts every Tuesday. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and leave us a five-star review. Follow Champions Mojo on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Champions Mojo.